Our text this morning finds Jacob in a position many of us might be familiar with, making his way at long last towards a reckoning with his past. See, Jacob is on his way to meet his brother Esau, and he is nervous. Because, you see, everything Jacob had was, at its root, a result of something he'd stolen from Esau. Years before, when their father was on his deathbed, Jacob had snuck into their father's tent and stolen Esau's birthright and blessings. All the power, the land, the wealth, and every good thing that Esau had coming to him, Jacob had taken for himself. He'd taken Esau's birthright. The stewardship of God's covenant with Abraham meant to be handed down to each firstborn son. Through trickery and deceit, Jacob now held everything that was once Esau's. Power, property, and a generational promise. And after he'd done all that, he'd run away without so much as a word to his brother. Flash forward to today's scripture, and it's been more than 20 years since he fled. And in that time, Jacob has thrived. He has wives, children, slaves, property, and riches. And although it's not that he didn't work for some of those things, wasn't exploited at some points, much of what he has, he got through trickery, lying, and violence. And when those things didn't work, well, he had relationships and social power and that divine promise to fall back on. But now he's headed back towards his family's lands, toward Esau, and he is scared. We know he's scared because the scriptures tell us he keeps sending messengers ahead to try and smooth things over. He's sending property and money and anything he can think of to try to buy his way out of the mess he's made. And despite all this, it is clear that there is no avoiding accountability. Moving forward means coming face to face with the people he's hurt most and taking responsibility for what he's done. And he does not know what his brother's reaction will be. And so he is afraid. For some of us, I imagine that's a familiar feeling. What hard conversations have you been called into recently? And how are you feeling about them? What I appreciate about our text this morning is that it speaks directly into these kinds of moments. In Jacob's behavior, we can see three common ways people react when faced with accountability. Some of us react with avoidance. Some of us double down on our strength. And some of us seek to understand so that we can re-establish control. Can you think of places in your own life where these impulses have shown up? But what is so beautiful about the scripture is that it doesn't just tell us something about ourselves. It also tells us something about how God behaves in these spaces. So let's begin with avoidance. So the sun sets and the night falls and Jacob is alone. He sent all of his possessions and his family ahead of him. And finally, it's just him alone in the darkness. And I have to tell you that I'm not convinced he's really planning to cross the river at all. After all, he has a history of running away, especially when the alternative is to face the consequences. 
I imagine Jacob had spent the whole journey home thinking what it would happen when he finally saw Esau again. I imagine he'd played out every possible scenario, and all of them were bad. Because accountability can be painful. It can be overwhelming. And depending on the circumstance, it's easy to believe that it might mean the end of everything. So running away must have seemed like a pretty good option. Must have been so tempting, right? Just slip off into the night, leave everything, start over. It would be so much easier to simply disappear, turn off the news, close the social media feed, shelve the book, choose not to show up, quietly unsubscribe and fade out. But back to Jacob. Even in this midnight of fear, the text tells us that Jacob is not alone. He wrestles with a man until morning. The general consensus is this man, this figure, is some kind of divine being, perhaps God, God's self. But what I want you to notice is that God does not leave Jacob alone in this moment. And beyond that, God does not let him leave. God is present in the midst of Jacob's doubt and fear, and God will not let Jacob go. God keeps him present, keeps him company, and puts him in a position where he has to wrestle with his fear with his failure, with his overwhelmedness at all that is unknown. In the face of temptations to avoid accountability and take the easy way out, God is faithful. God is present with us in the fear and the wrestling, drawing us towards a new day. Self-reliance. Even in the presence of God, Jacob struggles. Unable to simply avoid his problems, he attempts to get free by leveraging his power. After all, he has 20 years of experience wrangling animals, so surely he knows how to wrestle. So he puts his trust in his own expertise and power, leaning hard into self-reliance and self-preservation. And the scriptures tell us that at first it seems he will be successful. Here is Jacob stringing and sweating and fighting, and just when it looks like he might actually succeed, his opponent pulls the rug out from under him. But what I want to suggest instead is that in this moment, God gives Jacob a great gift, a reminder of his very human limitations. Jacob is winning, Jacob is succeeding, and in a single moment, all of his experience and strength and self-assuredness mean nothing. They crumble at a touch from the divine. It's easy to believe that our power, our abilities, and our experience can ease the discomfort that pursuing justice will require. But in the end, we are still human and vulnerable. God steps into the moments where we have become convinced of our own power and capability and puts things back in perspective. God reminds us of our finitude, and that can be transformative. In fact, the text tells us that Jacob will walk with this limp for the rest of his life. The way he moves through the world is literally changed by an encounter with God in the unknown. There is still a reckoning to be had. There are still consequences to face. But God is calling us into those spaces, calling us away from investing in our own power, reminding us of our limits so that we can move through the world differently. Finally, seeking control through understanding. 
So now the sun is creeping towards the horizon, painting the night skies with deep oranges and purples. The stars are beginning to fade and the day of Jacob's reckoning draws near. He cannot run, he cannot rely solely on his own power, but he has one more strategy to deploy. He tries to control the situation by centering his own desires and understandings. Faced with the failure of all his other strategies, Jacob demands a blessing and the name of the one he has struggled against. See, during this time, to have someone's name was to be able to harness their power, to know them, exert control over them. Jacob asks for the name of the one he's been wrestling with in an attempt to understand. If he can only understand what has happened, if he can only understand the parameters of what he has been struggling with, if he can only correctly name the situation, then perhaps this knowledge will keep him safe, will cushion the blow, can somehow be leveraged to his advantage when Esau holds him to account. And so intent is Jacob on centering his own questions and honing his own understanding that he fails to see how misguided his focus has been. He doesn't even notice that he's been given a new name. While he's focused on gaining some small amount of leverage to protect himself, God is literally renaming him, blessing him, and preparing him for a different kind of future. God has a future in mind for Jacob, but in order to be ready for it, Jacob has to be changed. If he is to live into the blessing God has for him, he cannot remain grounded in self-preservation, self-reliance, and self-centeredness. God has a future for us too, but in order to be ready for it, we must be changed. The scripture today reflects to us the ways that even when we know accountability is necessary, when those critical moments come too often, we fail to meet them. We are overwhelmed by the unknown, and in our overwhelmedness, the temptation is to seek assurance in old habits and strategies, avoidance, shows of power, and centering our own understanding. But the good news of Jacob's story is that even in these moments, God is faithful. God is present in the unknown. God offers us new perspectives. And God changes how we move through the world and how we are perceived. Middle family, the process of acknowledgement and accountability is hard. It is uncomfortable and it can be frightening. And when we come out the other side, it is entirely possible that we will be changed in ways that make us unrecognizable. But we are called to go toward that reckoning, to be accountable, to heal relationships, and to work for justice, trusting in God's faithfulness, God's power, and God's vision for our lives, because we believe that God has a future for us that we cannot even begin to imagine. May it be so. Amen.